We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. To be true to ourselves, we must be true to others. I'm asking you to believe, not in my ability to bring about change, but in yours. Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode 8 of Blue Collar Confos. I'm Jordan Roan, your host, and I thank you for joining me here today. Just six days following the terrorist attack on our homeland in Washington, D.C., on our Capitol building, at the hands of Donald Trump's terrorist base. Make no mistake about it. This was no protest. This was no peaceful assembly as protected under the U.S. Constitution. Instead, this was an attack on our Constitution. Hindsight may now be 2020. I know this is the first episode back in the new year. But the present is no better. We all thought 2021 would really just turn off the light switch of a highly forgettable, horrible, tragic 2020. But unfortunately, the alt-right, the GOP, they decided to keep things going into a horrible new year. We all know that what happened at the Capitol building on Wednesday, January 6th, 2021, was terrorism. You can call it domestic terrorism if you want to soften the blow a little bit, but it is no different than any of our adversaries launching an attack on the United States. It just so happens, coincidentally, but unsurprisingly, that the leader at the helm of this base is the President of the United States. It really is not a surprise. After a crushing defeat, after being labeled a loser by the American people, Donald Trump knew that he had nothing else to lose. So he decided to quit his job, essentially, to stop governing as the American President the supposed leader of the free world, decided to abandon his oath of office and allow his base, now a terrorist base by definition, to rebel, to insurrect, and essentially conduct treasonous activities. And that's exactly what every member of the GOP who supported this falsehood, this blatant lie that Donald Trump somehow won the election, it's on them. It's treasonous. And I'll say it to any one of them. What they did to our country, the loss of life, which we'll talk about later on, it's abhorrent. And every single one of them who went along with the lie should resign should be expelled, should be recalled, and it should be done immediately. There's no time to wait because this is a national security issue at this point. And American lives are at risk at the hands of other Americans. We all know that what happened on the 6th at the Capitol was also fueled by white supremacy that virtually everyone you saw in that crowd who was rising up, so to speak, against the government uh, in terrorist form were white. And that if this was a Black Lives Matter rally, protest, which, by the way, we know that Black Lives Matter 
participants and demonstrators would never do something like this, never try to overthrow the government and kill members of Congress. But nonetheless, if this was a group of black people, of people of color, they'd be shot dead on arrival to the Capitol. We've all seen the pictures of these terrorists scaling the walls of the Capitol to to climb over so that they could charge through the doors. Does anybody really think that if it were a a bunch of black Americans scaling those walls, that they would not have bullets flying through their back? Pardon the sensitivity of that language. But the truth is the truth. And that's exactly what would have happened. Nobody can say that the U.S. government would have allowed this to happen if it were not a bunch of white people, of white terrorists charging the Capitol. And why is that? Because this country, society as we know it, has ingrained into the heads of of every person starting from a young age in school that terrorists are people of color. When you think of a terrorist, the first thing that comes to mind is supposed to be, according to what has been taught, a Muslim. And this dates back to 9-11 when We know Al-Qaeda attacked the United States, but what happened then? Muslims were being treated prior to, but especially so after that, like they were terrorists, every one of them. It was grotesque and disgusting, and quite frankly, we have to remember who one of the leading instigators of that racist lie was, and it's the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, when he lived in New York, got on the phone and started saying he saw Muslims dancing in the street. No evidence of that ever happening. He made it up. Sound familiar? Trump making things up as he rolls along through life. And the sadder thing is that so many people believe him. So many people believe this entitled and spoiled brat as a kid who was handed everything he needed in life. And look what happened now. Tragedy. Throughout his four years, just four years, we often think about four years as being a quick amount of time. Look what has happened. Just the last one year, the botched COVID-19 response, which has led to just hundreds of thousands of deaths, Hundreds of thousands. By the time I started this podcast recording, we've lost so many Americans to COVID-19. But now things are different. Now we're being attacked by terrorists. With days left in the Trump presidency. And those days cannot go fast enough. But unfortunately, I don't think we've seen the last of this insurrection, of this sedition, this rebellion against the United States by his terrorist base. We all need to be vigilant on guard and do whatever we can to stay safe. Every one of you listening now. So I want to know one thing from... Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. And that is, how the hell was this allowed to happen? Aside from the blatant white supremacy being given pretty much a free pass in this country for, well, since our existence. But Americans must demand to know how, essentially, the red carpet was laid out for these terrorists to storm right in the United States Capitol. 
I mean, if you're on social media, you've seen the funny memes. And of course, you know, if you don't laugh, you'll cry, they say. So some of these memes do provide some levity in this serious situation. But you see these memes talking about how the Krabby Patty secret formula is more secure than the U.S. Capitol building. About how formula, baby formula, at a grocery store is more secure than the U.S. Capitol building. Because you can't get to it without facing a barrier to entry. And unfortunately, there was no barrier to entry at the United States Capitol building on Wednesday, January 6th, 2021, with the Capitol building filled with essentially the continuity of government right inside. The Vice President of the United States was inside. The Vice President-elect of the United States was inside. The Speaker of the House was inside. The President pro tempore of the Senate was inside. And who else was allowed right inside the doors? Terrorists. Once again, think about if it was anybody else other than a bunch of white people wearing MAGA hats and carrying the Confederate flag. Did you know that just 21% of Capitol Police were called into work that day? A fifth of the officers who should have all been there were called to work. They had weeks to prepare for this terrorist attack. As we know, every social media platform had posts, had strategy, had events set all up. Parlor, which I don't even like to say because it's a tool used for terrorism, as we now know, was filled for weeks talking about the storming of the Capitol building, verbatim. Talking about how we were going straight for Nancy Pelosi's office. That is unacceptable. And Americans everywhere deserve and demand to know what happened who was involved, and who assisted, who aided and abetted these terrorists to enter the Capitol, to find certain areas and rooms that they should have had no idea how to get to. But they knew how. We need answers, and we need them fast. One other thing that needs to be said on a note of courage because there was not much courage at all shown on January 6, 2021 except by members of the U.S. Capitol Police Force. Certain members going above and beyond their call and that one of them was Officer Eugene Goodman. Officer Goodman you probably have seen the video by now, was the black Capitol Police officer who was running backwards, upstairs most of the time, through the Capitol building by himself. One officer being chased by hundreds of terrorists in the U.S. Capitol. Let that sink in for a minute. Anyways, Officer Goodman was being chased by these terrorists and made the split-second decision when he noticed that the hallway to the Senate chambers were wide open, nobody around, no law enforcement available. These terrorists could have marched right through to the Senate chambers. But instead, he noticed that, and he decided to take action by by leading them, by pulling them, essentially, the other way. He pushed one of the terrorists to rile him up, to distract him, 
to make sure that he went the way that would be safer for all members of Congress and the staff, leading them towards more law enforcement who were waiting at a different area. Officer Goodman is a hero. Full stop. And we, of course, thank him for his service at a time when law enforcement were being attacked, were being maced, and were being killed by Donald Trump and the GOP's terrorist base. We are told time and time again that the GOP backs the blue. We're told that the Republican Party is the party of law and order. Every time a Republican candidate runs, you hear a couple different phrases, a couple lame and false narratives. But here's, here's one. One is socialism, of course. We all know that, how they decry socialism. Number two is law and order and how Democrats hate cops, right? That's what they say. They claim that all cops must be Republicans because you can never be anything left of center and support the blue. And look what happened. We finally saw a true exposure of their colors on January 6th as they threw pipes at officers, as they dragged officers down staircases, beat them. We also know that Officer Brian Sicknick, the U.S. veteran, was killed as a result of being struck in the head with a fire extinguisher by a terrorist. And we certainly think and pray for his family and for him today. But one thing that needs to be said is this. Don't ever let a Republican candidate for any office claim that their party is one of law and order, that their party backs the blue. Because we saw what they think of police officers. And the word sickens me to say, cop killers. Cop killers. That is what that crowd stood for and will forever stand for because of what they did. So we must not make this officer's death political as his family wishes. But at the same time, we have to say loudly and clearly that these slogans about Blue Lives Matter were always fed to the Trump voting base purely for political reasons and not because they actually meant it. And that's a damn shame. So, as a proud Democrat, as a proud progressive, I do thank the U.S. Capitol Police for what they did that day. Officer Goodman, his act of heroism. I'm not afraid to say that I support good law enforcement officers. That's what Officer Goodman was that day. That's what many of those officers were. They individually were caught off guard, mainly to no fault of their own. We know that the now-resigned chief of the Capitol Police said that he called for backup six different times and was denied. He was denied. Why? Because a lot more people knew what was going on and what was going to happen than we know of right now. And the truth will come out, I do believe. And it's just a shame that innocent people had to lose their lives that day because of terrorism that should have, that could have been prevented. Recall how we were told that congressmen and women needed to get the COVID-19 vaccine first because of, quote, national security purposes and to, quote, ensure the continuity of government. Yet, we let right-wing terrorists get within yards of all of these people in the line of succession. Any bank you walk into, 
more secured. Any sporting event you go to is more secured. Once again, depends on what you look like. Our priorities are not in the right place in this country. That's a fact. So, the U.S. was attacked by its own people. Americans turned into a domestic terrorist group and sought to take down the Capitol. This is our nation at its worst. And it's because of Donald Trump and his desertion of his oath to the office and his loyalty to the country. He must be removed from office now because of the threat that he poses to the American people. Because of the crimes that he has committed. We know the 25th Amendment is an option which probably will not be invoked because Mike Pence really (laughs) Mike Pence the things that he has had to go through to try to be loved by Trump to try and be loved by his voters it's quite sad it's it is sad to see someone's career fall apart usually but for Mike Pence knowing what he signed up for what he went along with what he fueled for what three years and 11 months there can be no pity So, Mike Pence, once again, will not do the right thing. He will not invoke the 25th Amendment. But we do have impeachment on the table. Impeachment that I believe within the next few days, few hours, will begin to roll in the House of Representatives. They will get the necessary votes to impeach the president again. And then it becomes... A decision for the Senate to decide whether to convict him or not. Regardless, Donald Trump will not be president in a very, very short amount of time. But that does not mean justice should not be served. The Senate should hold a trial. President-elect Biden already came out on the record speaking to the press and said half of the day should be spent trying Donald Trump for his crimes And the other half of the day should be spent working on Biden's first 100-day plan, which includes COVID-19 vaccine policy, as well as relief for millions of Americans through $2,000 stimulus checks. And I think that's what the American people deserve. They deserve to see a justice system that works for those at the very top, including former presidents. And they also deserve the new administration that they overwhelmingly voted for to get to work and to start healing this nation from sickness, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. So as I wrap up this conversation about the events, the terrorist attack on January 6th, I am pissed off because a police officer is dead, a family mourns, and people like Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, and other Trump puppets in the GOP, the Senate, the House, state legislators throughout this whole country are going to get away with it. They fed a bunch of BS to the Trump base. They believed it. And they caused this insurrection. Blood is on their hands. Yes, it is. Every single member of Congress who voted to object to the will of the people. Even after this terrorist attack took place. The blood is on their hands. And there is no way that they should be allowed to continue serving in their elected positions. This is not the last that we have seen or heard of this January 6th event. There will be reports, investigations, hearings about it, I'm sure. But for now, we're going to move on from it. We're going to look back at it in the future. 
because that day, that attack on our country will forever be remembered, forever be taught in our history books about what happens when a dangerous man rises to power and uses that power to turn his own people against their country. Let's move along. So what this episode was originally planned to be about was 2020 being over and a new year being here. So since I wasn't able to say it at the beginning of this episode, let me say it now. Happy New Year to all of you and to all of your families as well. I have a couple of main goals for this new year. Three, to be exact. The first is to thoroughly vet our candidates for local and state offices because this year we have many, many races that are of huge importance in local municipalities and townships and cities, people that make major decisions for you in your local communities. Now, we know there's not going to be any congressional elections. You know, there may be special elections here or there. But the one thing that we need to focus on this year is electing progressives in local communities. I know somebody listening right now has what it takes to run for office themselves in your local community. In fact, pretty much all of you do. You cannot tell me that all of you listening out there right now could do worse than one of these Republican terrorist-aiding politicians that are serving in your communities. You know, we all know, that one local wacko who somehow keeps getting elected over and over again to, is it city council? Is it mayor? A local board of supervisors? The auditor? The local coroner? Who can't stop posting about Donald Trump on their Facebook page, on their Twitter account? Who attends the Trump rallies, wears his MAGA hat with pride? Or her MAGA hat, I should say. That individual should and can be defeated. And we will be here to help you do that. I'll tell you what. I'll make a promise right now. In the description to this episode, I will put the contact information to reach out to me. It will be my Twitter handle. You'll be able to direct message me there or to send a tweet to me there. If you are considering a run for a local office in your community in 2021, reach out. I will do what I can to amplify your message on the platforms that I have. I will work with you to see if we can come up with some sort of strategy to build your campaign up, to get you out there in front of the voters, and to start your messaging because that is so important. So let's partner up, you and me, for your run for office. We will get this done. We will show your community that there is an alternative to Trumpism, that we don't have to settle for the status quo. So think about it, consider it. Let's get these Republicans out of office, not just at the top, but in all of our local areas, cities, townships as well. So since we last talked, Joe Biden won the presidency. Donald Trump lost the presidency. And I want to talk about how it happened and how we got here. So if you recall from episode seven, the last episode, I talked with a gentleman who was named Dan Krolwich from the Progress Campaign. Dan gave his group's official predictions. I gave my official predictions. And then we let it go and we saw what happened. And, of course, things were 
a little chaotic there with mail-in ballots not being counted or released, so it looked like Trump was winning huge. And at the end of the day, he lost. And he lost pretty, pretty badly, which happens when you have grassroots efforts across this country working like never before to turn out the vote and to win. So a couple of different things led to the Biden victory, in my opinion. Georgia, Arizona, turning blue. The blue wall being rebuilt. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. But what I believe is the single greatest factor in defeating Donald Trump and electing Joe and Kamala it's simple, folks. It was black women. Black women are the reason that Joe Biden is president-elect. Black women are the reason that Joe Biden actually got the Democratic nomination in the first place. And black women, black activists, are the reason that black girls now see themselves represented in the second highest office in the land. Kamala Harris, she made history. She made history. Not just for one group or another group. She made history for everybody. Everybody can take a minute and just reflect on the history that took place with Kamala. You know, my own grandma, my grandma Linda, she's still with us. She's actually right now in a nursing home fighting against COVID-19. But she's a lifelong Democrat and served as a poll worker in her local community in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, right in the heart of Republican stronghold country. And I just couldn't stop thinking about her and all that she went through in her own life and religiously going to the polls and voting and going to listen to Democratic candidates who would stroll through town every now and then. And I couldn't help but think that if she was still with us in the mind, how proud she would be to see Kamala Harris standing on that stage. A woman taking over the vice presidency of the United States. How far this nation has come since she was born in 1942. This victory for Kamala was an ode to a woman who came before her. She said it herself. Let's listen to that clip now from her victory speech, where she begins by talking about and paying tribute to her mother. What a great speech, and I highly recommend going back and watching that again on YouTube or wherever you can find it. it. It's one of those pieces of history that you just know will never lose significance or relevance and will be watched by so many of those not even born yet today who will be inspired by her and everything that she's accomplished so far and assuredly what she will accomplish to come. So the Electoral College was very much unpredictable this 
past year, as it is, relatively speaking, most presidential cycles, thanks to this outdated and archaic system that we use, versus basing it off of one person, one vote. But nonetheless, we still went with it, and I made my predictions. I talked about them on the last episode, and I'll just go over some of the brief points in talking about what went right and what went wrong. So we talked about Dan Krolwich from the Progress Campaign, who was on the show last episode. And Dan and his team over there, extremely bright, extremely talented people, they were feeling extra good for Joe Biden, projecting him to have 389 electoral votes to Donald Trump's 149 electoral votes. My predictions were... A little bit less favorable for Joe Biden, but nonetheless a victory. I had Joe Biden winning 322 electoral votes to Donald Trump's 216 electoral votes. So, as we know, the final outcome of the presidential race was Joe Biden receiving 306 electoral votes to Donald Trump's 232. And if you remember, Donald Trump once said that that Electoral College margin of victory was, quote, a landslide. So, by all accounts, Joe Biden won in a landslide. So, what did I get right and what did I get wrong? It's always fun to go back and do a post-analysis on what exactly happened. And I'll start off with the wild card picks. So, I said that Ohio and Florida would stay red. I said that because... You know, really, you just can't trust Florida. I said it last episode. I say it again. You know, as as close as the polling looks, Democrats just cannot trust Florida. And it's been that way for many, many times throughout history. And I did not believe that this was the year that the tide would turn. There was just not enough evidence out there to suggest that. With Ohio, the same. The polling there was not that favorable to Democrats as is. And we'll talk about polling in a second, but Ohio to me was not on the table for Joe Biden, and it turned out to be the case. After that, I looked at Georgia and Arizona, and I had them going blue. Georgia blue, but Florida staying red, that was you know an interesting series of events that you know, many folks were talking about as a real possibility of happening because if you just take a look at Georgia, you see the voter registration that was taking place, the activism that was happening and really rising up down there and led by Stacey Abrams, of course, the true MVP of the 2020 election cycle. And you realize that suddenly Joe Biden, he does have a good chance. And that he did, winning by a slim margin in Georgia. Arizona, I was really looking at the races that were happening besides the presidential election, which included Mark Kelly's Senate race, now Senator Mark Kelly. And I believed there would be a good chance for Joe Biden to actually ride Mark Kelly's coattails, which is what happened. I kept Iowa... In Texas, red, I didn't think that there was any real chance that they would turn blue, even though the polling suggested they might. And North Carolina. North Carolina was a hiccup for me. I had North Carolina going blue because of Georgia likely to go blue and Arizona. I felt that Biden may be able to kind of dig into the Barack Obama victory in 08 there, um, to my own regret. But nevertheless, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, the blue wall was rebuilt, and I had predicted that as well. One other area where I stumbled was in that pesky congressional district up in Maine, where I believed that it would Maine would go blue all around. And unfortunately, that congressional district up there did go in Trump's favor, which knocked me down 
by two electoral votes. So all in all, I'm pleased with those projections. But more than that, I'm pleased that Joe Biden won the presidency, of course. But the one thing that we do need to talk about is how polling was off again. Dan Krolwich came on talking about the polling last time. Um, they were a bit liberal in their final predictions, as many, including myself, were at times. But that's because the data that they used was skewed one way or another. And Dan has graciously agreed to come back on the program and do a breakdown. So we'll be sure to take him up on that offer soon to learn about the data and what we should be looking for next time. Should we start to take the Trafalgar polls and the Rasmussen polls more seriously? They've always been said to be way biased towards Republicans, but are they the ones that were more accurate? Those are the questions that we certainly would like to get answered and find out what can we trust nowadays when it comes to polling. I think one thing to make note of is that if I took anything away from the 2020 election, it's that political Twitter is not real life. Political social media. Project Lincoln is one example. Their viral videos, we all remember watching them, you know, the, the deep voiceovers and the emotional tug-at-your-heartstring storylines that we saw. They featured real people. They featured celebrities. And at the end of the day, from what we see in the statistics now, Project Lincoln made very little difference. We know that their goal was to turn Republican voters against Donald Trump. Donald Trump actually did better with Republican voters in 2020. Very few Republicans switched to Joe. One of them actually I know of, is in my own family, my dad. He's never seen a Project Lincoln video, but he saw Donald Trump on a TV screen and saw the danger that he posed to the country. He put country over party, as any normal American should do. And if you take a look at Georgia, do you think that Biden won because of Twitter and Facebook no. They won, like I said before, because of strong black women led by Stacey Abrams, by young youth activists, by the Asian American population in Georgia, which is very much influential. They knocked on doors. They called. They texted voters. Middle America will not be reached by focusing on jazzy social media videos. We know that now. 2020 clarified where our priorities need to be, and it is making sure that flyover country, quote-unquote, is not treated as it was in 2016 by the Democratic Party. And Joe Biden did a great job at turning things around in those rural parts of America. Um, I know in central Pennsylvania... There was a lot, a lot of more resources poured into these local Democratic parties um, to help Joe Biden win. The Biden campaign was going very, very hard on finding barns to paint the Biden-Harris logo on the side of. That's not something that traditionally happens with Democrats, but it's necessary to win in these places like Pennsylvania. It will be necessary to win in places like Ohio, which hopefully will happen someday. That blue wall will crumble again if Democrats take their eyes off of what really matters. And we cannot forget that as Democrats moving forward. These videos and these different digital tactics, they should be a supplement, but not the role. So moving on, we know that Republicans cried cheating, led by the chance of Donald Trump. And if you've listened before here on the podcast, you aren't surprised by what's happening with the GOP and their false cheating accusations. We called that here on the show months ago because Trump himself was saying it. 
He said, quote, the only way I'll lose is if they cheat. He said it at every rally he held. Trump knew he was going to lose. So he set himself up for the excuse. And what happened? Republicans fell for it. There's a man named Josh Hawley. He's a senator from Missouri. He also just proclaimed on December 30th that he would be challenging the results to delay a congressional vote on the election results. Now, Josh Hawley is also a self-proclaimed constitutional lawyer. It's right there on his Twitter bio. So, we know that Josh Hawley, constitutional lawyer Josh Hawley, is smarter than this. But the only thing he cares about when he falls asleep at night is trying to appeal to the MAGA base. You see, Josh thinks that cozying up with the MAGA base will help win them over when he wants to run for president in the 2020s or 2030s or 2040s. You see, there's just one problem with that. The American people just defeated Trumpism last month. Trumpism is like the Titanic, and the captain was already thrown overboard. It's not a place where winners will be located on, because the ship is sinking fast. And as the years go by, history will start remembering Trump for the fraud and disaster that his presidency was, and it's already happening right now. Right now, with people who are starting to see the light. The MAGA base will not be around for long. And we will remember Josh Hawley when he wanted to reject the will of the people in places like Pennsylvania. My vote, he wanted to reject. And many other states as well. Josh Hawley thinks someday he will come to Pennsylvania and he will win everybody over. Mr. Hawley, let me save you the time. Let me save you the flights. Let me save your billionaire donors from having to waste their money. You will not win in Pennsylvania. You will not be the president of the United States. We made sure that Donald Trump and everything he stands for was defeated. And we'll make sure his minions who try to keep that hatred, bigotry, and intolerance alive, we'll make sure you lose. That's a promise. So one other thing that these intellectually bright and more than capable politicians need to understand is that Donald Trump knew he was going to lose. He knew it because of his administration's botched COVID response. Donald Trump told Jared Kushner during debate prep, he said, quote, I'm going to lose and it's going to be your fault because of the testing. Listen, Trump is not a dumb man. I don't think he's smart, but we know he's not dumb. He knows that there was no cheating or fraud. He knows he lost fair and square, but he feeds his base with lies because they believe anything they hear. And that base has turned into a terrorist base now. Every judge in this land has confirmed this. The frivolous lawsuits, they warrant bar discipline for these lawyers because they have no merit and serve only to waste taxpayer dollars. Now, since we last talked before the election, I was fortunate enough to be appointed Joe Biden's legal liaison for the ballot counting process here in central Pennsylvania. I spent election day with Donald Trump's appointee to the same position. We had a great time watching the canvassing of the ballots when they opened them up and put them through the machines. We weren't combative with each other. We were civil as this country should come to be. But one thing is clear that we all agreed on. There was no fraud happening there. There was no fraud happening in Philly or Pittsburgh. There was one case of voter fraud in Pennsylvania. On the record. You know who that was? 
It was a Republican man trying to vote for Donald Trump under his deceased father's name. That's it. That's the only case of fraud. And on January 20th, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will take their oaths, will put Trump behind us, and will lead our nation forward. One other thing, Trump's own legal team, they couldn't present any evidence of election fraud in court, as we now know. So when you see on social media all of these people talking about the Kraken, we're going to pull out the Kraken, we're going to overturn this election, let me ask one question. Why would Karen from Facebook have all the evidence in the world to overturn this election, but... Donald Trump's own legal team, Rudy Giuliani, they wouldn't. It's conspiracy theories, it's QAnon bullcrap, and it has no merit at all. So as we move along here, I just want to talk about 2020 in review and do a little recap of all the things that happened that were noteworthy, that were discussed here on the show, and go from there. So a new decade was brought in on January 1st, and we all believed that, you know, maybe we'll get another roaring 20s. You know, we'll work hard, get Trump out of office, and then it'll be prosperity from there, right? Well, we thought wrong. In January, the coronavirus started to look like a major threat to our country after it originated in China. And the rest is history as it began to spread like wildfire. In February, our president, Donald Trump, called it a hoax and said it would miraculously disappear. On February 29th, Joe Biden essentially won the Democratic nomination thanks to the support of black men and women in South Carolina, defeating the runner-up, Bernie Sanders. And then in March, the United States locked down thanks to COVID-19 as hospitals feared a surge in patients. This lasted until late May in most parts of the country. That same month, Blue Collar Convos launched right here on the platform you're listening to. The summer was filled with racial tension as George Floyd was murdered by police in Minneapolis. I was proud to march alongside my sister and lay down on a bridge in my hometown in solidarity with my brothers and sisters of color and will do so continuously if it happens and when it happens again, because we all know, sadly, that it will. We witnessed Joe Biden select Kamala Harris as his running mate in the summer as well, a historic first for our country. I spent the summer in production on seven advertisements for Joe Biden, which aired in the fall on social media in Pennsylvania. The conventions were held in August, and the countdown to November 3rd was on. In September and October, we had the debates. We all remember the disastrous first debate, and we saw an increase in COVID-19 numbers. October also saw President Trump contract COVID, and he was hospitalized at Walter Reed. Luckily, he received a special cocktail of drugs to help him recover. And in November, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump to become our 46th president something so many people contributed to, including many of you listening now. You organized, knocked doors, called strangers, and most importantly, you voted. Then in December, we witnessed the Electoral College voting, which officially declared Joe Biden the winner. All state governors certified the results. That same month, COVID vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna became available for public use. Sadly, Though the Trump administration undervaccinated by 90%, and at this rate, the pandemic would not end until 2030. Does that sound like warp speed to you, by the way? Well, fortunately, we're only a short time away now from Biden taking over and him having a real, substantive, experienced leadership panel who will expedite the process and save lives. Also in December, we saw... Republican politicians who first downplayed the virus, flaunting their selfies on the internet, getting the vaccine first. Now, like I said earlier, I'm all for continuity of government, 
but when a guy like Marco Rubio gets to make jokes about his tan lines on Twitter while getting the precious shot that millions of frontline workers and elderly deserve before him, well, then that's when I have a problem. So 2020 obviously was a historic year, an eventful year to say the least, but there's also a little honor I'd like to bestow now on my top people of the year. Think of this as like Times Person of the Year, for instance, only on a little bit smaller scale. So the top three people of the year for me. Let's start in no particular order. First up, the frontline workers for putting the needs of others before themselves. Frontline workers in the healthcare field, for instance, went in day in and day out, putting on their PPE and going to work, trying to save the lives of COVID-19 patients and in turn sometimes contracting the virus themselves in, in cases dying because they showed up to try and make a difference in hospitals and in nursing homes, etc. Also, frontline workers in retail and USPS, Postal Service folks, FedEx, UPS, everybody who had to go out under stay-at-home orders and continue to serve their communities. Thank you for all that you've done. Next up in People of the Year, we have black activists for leading the charge for racial injustice in the early parts of the summertime, and then also continuing their work helping to defeat Donald Trump in both the November election as well as in races across the country, including in Georgia, stopping David Perdue from reaching the 50% threshold in the November election, thus sending it to the January runoff where they also helped John Ossoff win there as well, and Reverend Raphael Warnock to defeat Kelly Leffler. A heartfelt appreciation to all of you, all of you, for helping to make things right in this country for once. And my third top persons of the year, Joe Biden on his third try after a lifetime of public service, he finally won the presidency. And he also chose the first black woman to be his vice president, setting a historic mark for our nation. Something that will be a massive part of his legacy on top of everything else that he's accomplished in his life. After so many years of tragedy of heartbreak and loss, he kept on fighting. And now he will continue to fight through one of the most challenging times in U.S. history for all of us. And I'm so proud to be able to call him my president. So as we conclude here today in this first episode of 2021, I want to look ahead. I want to look ahead to see what will happen in this year and what we can expect. So we know that the Republican mudslinging will be silenced once and for all via the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Donald Trump will not attend the inauguration, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't even be invited if he wanted to come. Trump also lost his Twitter account permanently. Two people I know Huge Trump supporters, one donated to him, one made apparel for him, both said that he is an idiot, they told me. And they're done supporting him after the Capitol siege and his responsibility in stirring the terrorist base and activating them to attack our homeland. In 2021, more vaccines will be administered. And we will carry on, hopefully returning to some sense of normalcy by the end of the year. But we still have so much work left to do, including wearing our masks and educating our fellow citizens on why we have to get vaccinated in order to help our businesses reopen and stop the needless death that's been occurring the last year. We know that COVID-19 will not disappear on January 20th. 
In fact, life will still be challenging and innocent people will die. We may see well over half a million people perish before any sense of normalcy returns. I remember back in March tweeting out, quote, it looks like this coronavirus thing is going to be a lot worse before it gets better. And here we are nine months later, and I'll say it again, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Keep the faith, though. Stay healthy. Stay safe. I wish you and your families all the very best in 2021. And I'll leave you here today with a song that was released at the very start of this pandemic. It moved me then. It moves me today. And it still rings true. I'm Jordan Roan. You've been listening to Blue Collar Convos. Please, if you could, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this on so that we can reach even more people. This year... Blue Collar Convos reached folks in Israel, Ireland, Germany, Singapore, Spain, Puerto Rico, and dozens of states. And I cannot wait to expand to even more people in the years to come. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you again when our nation enters a new era of leadership under President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Those truly will feature our better days. Take care, everybody. Oh, I know that there'll be better days. Oh, that sunshine about to come my way. May we never, ever shed another tear for today.